All right, well, we are uh, continuing on. We're not going to stop. A hero does not stop doing what they're called to just because it gets dangerous. So we're not going to be derailed. We're not going to detract. In fact, if I were to uh, honestly consider for just a moment, I would almost say, not almost say, I'm going to say that uh, Lessons and a sermon series on evangelism is probably more important right now than at any other time. Why do I say that? Because you are more outside of the church. You have people who are uh, uh, interacting with something that is causing uh, panic and fear in them, and, and rightfully so for so many of them. This is something that we have not seen in a long time. But we have a God that takes care of us, right? We have a God that gives us breakthrough to push through the barriers and the obstacles that come up in our path. Um, He is there for us, and that is the God that we are supposed to be going and sharing out with the world around us. Now, last week, um, we talked about how we are to reach across and that we are to tear down barriers. And basically, what that meant was is that we needed to have hearts like God in that um, uh, we, we feel for people the way that God feels for people, that, that we, we want and value them regardless of the sin or the mistakes or the errors that they've made because in the end, we are not defined by the mistakes and the errors we make, but how we choose to move forward from them. We talked about how we have to have We have to have eyes like God, uh, that we have to be willing and ready to see people the way that God does, that God looks beyond the sin of the people, right? He sent Jesus to reconcile us to himself, uh, not counting men's sins against him. He reached across sin, which had divided us. And ultimately, boy, I just keep moving forward. Ultimately, uh, we have to have the mercy like God where, you know what, we have to be willing to bear the sin of others. That means we're going to reach out, we're going to reach across sin. Sometimes we're going to get bit, we're going to get slapped, we're going to get hit, we're going to get hurt when we reach out into a world that needs it. But we're going to do it. And that is what mercy is. And that's what Jesus did when he came to the cross. So this week, um, we're going to continue on talking about where we go from here as we step out on faith, and we actually decide that we are going to reach, uh, reach across sin. If we reach it across sin, then we have to be willing to reach in. When we take upon ourselves the heart of God to love and care for people, when the Spirit calls us, what is it that we're looking for? What are we expecting to happen? Right? What is evangelism at its, at its very core point? What should you make a decision? I'm going to reach across. I'm going to ignore sin. I'm going to reach into people's lives. What should you expect? And is there anything that you can expect with relative certainty? Well, as has been said before, as I've said a couple of weeks ago, evangelism is really about dealing with the principles of evangelism and not really necessarily the methodologies. There's tons of different methodologies. So what are some of the principles that we should be focused on. If you want to be effective at reaching into the lives of people in this world, 
It begins by deciding that you are going to develop relationships. You and I should always, always be searching and looking and open for ways and opportunities that God can use us to build quality, meaningful connections with those we come into contact. When you read the stories of Jesus, when Jesus is doing evangelism, not teaching, There's times when he goes and he stands up and people have gathered to him. And yes, he is teaching and preaching and proclaiming. But when it comes to the evangelism of Jesus, where he is walking down the street, where he is with his disciples, and they come across someone who may not know who he is or may not be really familiar with him, how does he go about it? What we see in story after story after story is that he begins by developing relationship, by making a meaningful connection with them. The woman caught in adultery, here she is, she's brought for judgment. I mean, she, she's expecting this Jewish rabbi to, to condemn her, but he doesn't. He, builds, he, doesn't, he doesn't place himself as her judge, but he puts himself on her level, extending a connection with her. Over and over, so many different stories. But one of them comes out of Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Here's what that says. He, that is Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Now when they saw it, that's the Pharisees, the tax collectors, the righteous religious. They grumbled. They muttered to themselves saying, He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now Zacchaeus, he stood. And he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus here at the end gives us very clearly, very clearly why he went into Zacchaeus' house. There at the end, what does he say? What they saw was a sinner. They're religious, they're righteous, they saw a sinner. And they wouldn't go into his house. But Jesus, going back to last week's sermon, did not see a sinner. He saw a child of Abraham. 
He saw a child of God. He saw him with God's eyes. And he looks at him and he says, I have come to save the lost. To save the lost. To put it into context, it says that he was the chief tax collector. He was one of the heads. And these guys didn't get to be the head by being virtuous or being merciful or generous. They got ahead, well, as you get ahead in this world, by being unscrupulous and being a cheat, defrauding people and stealing. That's who he was. That's what the Pharisees saw. They were offended that he went in, but Jesus, as he's walking along, sees a man up in a tree, and he decides, you know what? I'm going to connect with him. Most of us would probably, if there was someone in a tree outside of our house trying to look at us, would decide we'd shut the curtains or call the police. Jesus looks and says, That's my kind of person. I want to get to know him. What is it that drives a man to get up in a tree to see me? You and I, as we are walking along in our lives, there are people all around us. People that if we do not pay attention, if we are not looking, we will walk right by. Someone who may stand out in a crowd, but you know what? We are taught to ignore those who stand out in a crowd. Those who do something odd. We miss the opportunities to reach into the lives and develop connections with people. Not always. But I wonder, I honestly do, I wonder if I took an assessment of this past week of my life, Were there relationships, connections that I could have made, that I missed? I go into Casey's a lot. It shows. I like Casey's. I like Casey's pizza. I used to go in and and be very reserved and just keep to myself. And now I'm pretty loud and, and boisterous. They know who I am. And just decided... Building connections with people. That's the beginning of evangelism. Looking at someone and saying, I see you. I notice you. You are worth the effort of seeing. Because there are so many people that get ignored and do not get seen every day. Well, when we reach into the lives of people, when we develop and begin to develop relationships, and hopefully, ultimately, relationships. The goal of a relationship is ultimately friendship, and and that was God's intention with us, is that he came and he built a relationship with us so that we could be called friends of God. So what is the next step? Making connections with people is not merely enough. We go to the next part, which is this, is that we have to be willing to discover stories. Now, what do I mean by discover stories? Every person has a story to tell. They have tales. 
In fact, we all know, we all know, everybody has interesting, fascinating stories, but they also have a lot of, a lot of really bummer ones, too, that can get a little boring. It doesn't matter. So when you make a connection, the next goal is to figure out who this person is. Because you cannot develop in a relationship without those stories. So when we go and we have casual conversations with people, we ask questions. We ask questions that solicit stories. Every first date I ever went on, why are they awkward? They're awkward because you don't know what to talk about, right? That's the beginning of every relationship. Why is it that we don't reach out and speak to those around us? Because it's awkward. We don't know what we're going to say. So here is the, here is, here's what it is. You ask someone about themselves. You know why? They always know what to say about themselves. They always know how they're feeling. They always know what they've been doing. They always know their struggles. They always know their hopes. They know everything about them that no one else knows. The one topic that none of us can run dry on if we were pressed is talking about ourselves. Have you ever been in a group? Now, have you ever been in a group chit-chatting where one person just dominated the, the, the conversation, right? I mean, you may even be having a conversation where, where, where you are talking about duck hunting, and suddenly they come in, and they're talking about arcade games. And you go, how did, how did that connect? It, 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 it wasn't there. They weren't a part of the conversation. They hijacked the conversation. That was, that was the goal, because they are going to talk about them. We've all experienced that, and I'm not trying to put uh, 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 people that do that down. I used to be one of those people that tried to turn the conversation uh, about myself. But what we do, if you want to make someone feel important, is you ask them to talk about themselves. You see, If every evening I come home, Jenny comes home from work and we sit down and I spend the next couple of hours only telling her about my day and never asking her about hers, it's not going to take too many days before she dreads us getting together. We all know what that's like to be in a relationship that just takes, takes, takes. I'm not saying you, Jenny, by the way, I'm just throwing that out there. So what we do is, if talking about ourselves in a conversation divides us. Remember, this is the whole point of evangelism, right? Is tearing down the walls, the barriers. So reaching across other people's sin, right? Not allowing that sin to divide us. That's what we talked about last week. This week, right? We're not going to talk about ourselves. We're going to talk about them. I want to know you. Because that bridges divides. That is reaching into their life, not trying to pull them into yours. That, it just doesn't work. You reach into their lives and you make a difference. Look, uh, this is as old as time itself, right? Um, Solomon wrote, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And w- again, 
We have all experienced that or been that person. That's why James tells us in the New Testament, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. What he's dealing with, what James is saying, he's dealing with relationships. If you want to build relationships, it cannot be about you. It has to be about the other person. Listen to them. Stop talking about yourself. And when they say something that you disagree with, chill out. It's okay. We all have differences of opinion. Be slow to get angry. This is the foundation of building relationships. Get people to talk about themselves and listen to them. That's all you have to do. Listen to their successes. Listen to their failures. Listen to their griping. Doesn't matter. Just listen. Listening tells them that they matter in this world. Do not argue. Have you ever done this? You you start building a relationship with someone and they bring up politics. And all of a sudden your friendship is dead. Not because it has to be, but because you've got to prove them wrong. They've got to prove you wrong. And now there's this massive divide in there because you've got to argue and you've got to, no one's listening any longer. Ask yourself, why does someone believe what they believe? Figure that out. I have never, ever won an argument by ignoring what someone else had to say and drilling them with my logic. Have I, with Jenny? It has never happened. It's never going to happen. Not even with another logical person. The only arguments I ever win, and I'm, I'm talking even theological arguments, discussions, is when you sit down and someone thinks something that is so completely contrary to even Scripture. It doesn't matter. You sit down and you, and you look at them and you say, interesting, can you explain to me why you came to that conclusion. And listen. Don't, don't listen to come up with arguments. You don't need arguments. You have the truth. Does it? Don't. No, no. Why? Why do, why, why do you think that? It is actually, I'm, I'm right now, the quickest and easiest way to get someone to change their mind is by having them explain to you why they believe what they believe. And as they verbalize it out, they actually end up lining up. It, it's, it's amazing. You don't have to argue with people. Stop. trying to change people, listen to them. They do exactly what they do for very good reasons. We're going to talk about that next week. They do what they do for very good reasons. In Luke chapter, um, in Luke chapter 24, we see Jesus doing Jesus has just been resurrected from the dead. The greatest event in human history has just occurred. Jesus has died. 
crucified sin with him, set anyone free who's willing to believe in him, right? He has come out of the grave. He is the firstborn of the new creation, raised by the power of the Spirit. This is incredible. It is amazing. And Jesus is ready to come out and just start blasting the world with the truth, right? That very day, two people were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. Now, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. This is like undercover boss or something. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and and besides all this, it's now the third day since all of these things happened. And some of the women of our company, they amazed us. They were were at, at his tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, in in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus has the absolute best news to give. The gospel message. If we were the first person to be given the gospel message, we're going to run out and just start blasting people with it. No one's heard it. We're going to go out and machine. We're going to run up to strangers on the street and just start yelling at them about it. But Jesus, that's. You see, for Jesus, salvation wasn't about the message, salvation was about the people. We weren't saved because it was the right thing to do. The right thing to do was to allow us to die in our sin. But because he loved people, 
And here we see he's out of the grave. He comes up, hides himself, and just walks up and says, hey, guys, what are you you guys talking about? Can you share with me what's on your heart? And And they just start dumping all over him. And then he takes their story and uses it. You see, when we listen to people's stories and we find out where they are and we find out what needs they have and what their hurts are, well, then we're able to discern the next steps. That's why evangelism, the, the best mode of evangelism is what we're talking about. It's called friendship evangelism. It's not about the message. It is about the people that the message can change. It is out of love for them. It is, it is because, okay, so let, me, let, me, let me throw it to you. Uh, let me throw it to you this way. Hey, have you ever interacted with someone you want, to, you want to share Jesus with them? You just don't know what to talk about. The problem is, the problem is, is that you have to know the stories. You have to know the whys of what people are going through, why they do what they do in order to discern the next step. If you try to skip over listening to other people, you will never reach them. It will not happen. Because what happens in that moment is you initiated a relationship, and then you pounced them. They feel like they got a bait and switch. You just interacted with them to try to get them to believe what you believe. It wasn't even about them. You want to know how they know it wasn't even about them? It was about the message. It wasn't about them because you didn't even ask them a question about themselves. You don't even know them. In the Proverbs, he says this, let the wise hear and increase in learning. That's discovering stories. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. We listen to the stories of other people. And and not just passively like, all right, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up so I can get get to my spiel. We listen to them to understand them. Because when we understand where they are, that's when God can show us the next steps. That's when God shows us what we're supposed to do. See, Jesus went up to these guys, right? I mean, very simply, went up to the guys and said, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they talked to him. And they, they told him all about him. They told him about how they felt. He knew right where to go from there. They began the conversation. He didn't come up and be like, let me tell you something. They began the conversation. There's another story. There's another story in the Scripture that's very, very familiar, very, very similar to this, and that is uh, the story of Philip from Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, 
who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now, he's not telling him to get in, just, jump in, just jump in a random guy's car. He's saying, go up alongside of this. Go join it on its journey. Now, Philip has no idea. He has no idea what is supposed to be happening. All he knows is he's supposed to do it. So Philip ran to him. Heard him reading from Isaiah, the prophet, and asked. What, is it? what does he do? He asks him a question. Do you understand what it is you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up into the chariot and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep. He was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Look at those five words. Then. Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What is it that prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. story of Jesus on the road to Emmaus, this isn't something that takes a long time. It's just principles. It's not even steps. We're not even doing, we're not talking about, oh, I got to do these, no, no. Philip was open. God sent Philip because he knew Philip would run up to a stranger and talk to him. Philip did. He went up. Now, you have to understand, Philip, he's not finely dressed. He's not a rich man. This guy is up in the, in, the, in the court of the Ethiopian queen. And he just walks up. Philip is some common guy, just starts chatting with him. Now, most of the time, they would have been told to mind their place, get back, get away, whatever it is. He didn't care. He was willing to initiate contact. Now we see him, he says, do you understand what you're reading, right? That's not the only question. Do you know how I know that that isn't the only question that he asked? It's the only one that's listed, but I do know. I know for a fact it's not the only question he asked. Because the scriptures specifically tell us he was a eunuch. He was a high, 
a high official in the court of Candace. Those are not things that just come up. People don't just randomly come up and say, I'm a eunuch. <laughs> Sorry. Normally, people do not normally. They don't come up. And, normally, those are things that happen. Conversations like that. That's, only, that's information that people do not just throw at you as you're walking by. Nobody walks by and tells you those, those intimate details about themselves. They come up in conversation. Philip sat down and got to know this guy. He sat there as the eunuch read to him from the Scriptures. And then he didn't decide to tell him what he knew. He sat there and he waited. Waiting, what's the next step? God, show me what the next step is. And then the eunuch looks at him and says, you tell me. Who is this talking about? Then Philip opened his mouth. Then Philip opened his mouth. I'm going, I, 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 we are so afraid of evangelism. Honestly, I, I'm, just, I'm just speaking what most, what, what most of us feel. We're, t- we're terrified of it because... It seems intrusive. It seems disruptive. I, I'm going and interrupting someone else. You know, I, 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 I got to go and force my... And none of these stories involved force, arguments, fights, none of it. It was people willing to make a connection, strike up a conversation, listen to the hearts and minds of these people, got to know them, and then were able to just respond naturally with the gospel message. It isn't. And I say this as an introvert, an extreme introvert. It isn't difficult. In fact, this might be the best thing I could do as an introvert because all i got to do is ask one question and then shut up and listen. I can do that. I just want to encourage you, guys, as we go out into this world, that we, we do these things. We'll have the band go ahead and come on up. Are you willing, this week, as you leave this place, Are you willing to walk through your day purposefully, intentionally, looking and expecting for opportunities to just make a random connection? When we lived in Missouri Valley, Jenny was, went to Casey's. I'm telling you, we got a thing with Casey's. She went to Casey's and there was a large guy. He had a motorcycle, didn't he? 
You don't know what the, you don't remember the story. Did he have a motorcycle? He had a motorcycle. He had leather tattoos, huge, burly. He had a scowl on his face and looked intimidating. She saw in his leather jacket a little veteran symbol. She just felt this need. Just this thing popped in her head. Just popped in her head. Go and thank him for his service. How many times do we have little thoughts like that that pop in our head, but we're too busy, we just keep moving? She didn't. She went over to him, and he kind of looked at her. Apparently not used to random women coming up to him. And she said, I just wanted to thank you for your service. She came home and told me, he stood there for a moment. And in an instant, his eyes welled up with water that he wouldn't let fall. And he grabbed her in the largest bear hug she's ever had. And he said, thanks. Did he need that? Did you go and assault him with the story? No. The story of Jesus? No. You would have. She would have happily told him. Sometimes it isn't the right moment. Sometimes it's just being willing to make the connections that open people up. Maybe it's going to be someone else that comes along and brings that message. You have the power. The people that are the hardest the meanest, the ones that we fear the most are the ones that are that way because they are hurting the most inside. Do not be afraid. Go out and make that connection. For those of you who are watching, who have, been, who have joined us and been with us, and, and for us here, you know, we're not all in the same place together, but we did this, and we're going to continue doing this each week, e- even after this whole virus thing is done. We're going to do this so that those who cannot physically be here know that they are important and that they're valuable to us. And that they can come and and be a part and make that connection with us on a weekly basis. In honor of making those connections, we're going to sing this old hymn together.